Welcome back, everybody, to yet another edition of Going for Two, the official podcast of the Extra Points newsletter. I am your host, the publisher and proprietor of said, said newsletter, Matt Brown, and I'm joined today by uh, by an old friend, Brian Fisher's back. How you doing, man? Long time no see, man. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, it's been quite the month. Uh, certainly having a, a new uh, new baby around the house, but uh, excited to uh, jump back into things with you because uh, you know what, college football it never stops. It's been a, it, been an exciting start to the season. I tell you what, it, so so much has happened. It is it's great to see your face here. It's very important with podcasting being a, a visual medium and whatnot. But you know, b- before we get into all the news, which I think is is would be difficult to handle. Even if you were properly caffeinated and properly rested, how are you feeling? Like, is is are you in a position to like better partake of Pac-12 after dark now? Are you kind of overwhelmed? Like, what's what's going on here these past two weeks? Well, you know this uh, that uh, San Jose State uh, Hawaii game I kicked off at nine thirty Pacific. You know, uh, I think that was definitely uh, right up in my alley. I was doing a, doing a feeding for, for most of that game, so you know, it's, uh, it, you know, the, the late night games uh, they definitely take some getting used to for some. But uh, right up uh, my alley with with the new kiddo. But uh, it's uh, it's been a challenge, that's for sure. But uh, especially with two of them under three uh, right now. But uh, doing the best I can, and uh, my wife's the, the real trooper and the MVP in this one. So. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I lean on her. She leans on me, and uh, we, we get through it. And uh, you know, the, the timing certainly could have been better, but I, my, my son came right as the football season started on on the first day on Thursday. So uh, I, I can't complain. Uh, it was it's, it's been fun to kind of kind of hold him and watch games and uh, get invested in in all the coming comings and goings of uh, college athletics because it's uh, that that news never never stops. It seems like I'm trying to play catch up on on every front now. Yeah, I, I don't even have that excuse, and and I'm 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 feeling the same way. The um, I feel like when Penelope, my oldest, was born, and I was living in D.C. at the time, I watched a, more Washington State football, more San Diego State football than I think I've ever watched as a fan or at any other stage of my career, because you're just you're just up at two in the morning, and and now like I'm sitting here on Twitter and like listening to all the degenerates talking about like hell hell yeah, brother, you know Hawaii kicking off at one o'clock Central, and I'm like. You guys can watch that because no one's paying me to watch that now, and my kids are asleep, and I I am too old for this, and and uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad I'm glad somebody else is around to 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 enjoy those things because that's my that stage of my life is past. Yeah, I mean, in, in the department of great timing, I think you know Fresno State just beat UCLA, and and my son started waking waking up for his his uh, latest feeding, and so I was like, all right, well that that is he, he knows you know when the game goes final, that's when he needs to wake up, and that's when he needs to get fed, so. Um, you know, he, he's already learning on the job. I think it's uh, it, it's pretty impressive. Uh, already two weeks in, that he knows exactly when to wake up to, to wait until that game goes final, and then we can can watch the other ones later. But uh, it's it's been uh, been a wild wild ride. But uh, excited to jump back into things with you. I think you know, when it was funny a couple of days ago, when I was trying to sit back here and plan what both my publishing schedule and maybe some of the things that we would talk about over the next couple of weeks, I was hoping to take a little bit of a break from conference realignment. Um, and I have some other stories that I, I wanted to work on. I've been working on, and we have Andy in the mix. He was doing some other things, but uh, the news cycle is not going to let us. So I, I know may, may, maybe you missed a couple of things. I figured we can take. I could take a minute, try to get everybody up to speed from what I've been reporting and what I've been hearing about some of these other big changes. I've been trying to plot the three-dimensional chess that comes after that. I feel like my timeline has just been people asking me about, about this for like the last seven hours might be easier to just kind of start at the beginning and go from there. Uh, we can start not with the American Athletic or with the Big 12 or with anybody at the FBS here. I want, I want to quickly talk about FCS. 
Uh, last week, I reported that Austin P of the Ohio Valley Conference was going to be leaving to join the A-Sun. That was made official on Friday. Uh, and that, that, that is of note because the A-Sun now has six teams at the FCS level. They're going to be able to have an auto, an auto bid. They, they're going to have 13 teams now as a whole entity. And this is one of the two FCS leagues where basically everybody involved has been rumored to at least be interested in eventually bumping up to FBS. Um, and when you look at Austin P's athletic department right now, both their their funding and their ambitions and their level of recent success, they they are similar to many of the other entities within the current A Sun. I'm not reporting here that Austin P is going to join to F, jump to FBS. Honestly, in most cases, I think anybody reporting any school jumping like that's certain to go to FBS right now is is full of it because even the schools themselves, even A Sun, don't know if that's going to be possible. Uh, or, or financially viable with after the next playoff uh, contract, but but that is you know, that that's that's a done deal now. We have to see one what happens with the WAC because they had like their little the, the, they had the original alliance right with the WAC and the A Sun, the WAC Sun Waction that allowed the, the winner of that league to get an automatic bid to the FCS playoffs. Now the WAC will need to either operate without an auto bid or, or find somebody else, uh, and then. Uh, What's, we don't really know exactly what's going to happen with the Ohio Valley. Like, I'll tell you this on the air. What I expect and what people have been telling me to watch for for like four months is for Western Illinois to leave the Missouri Valley, leave the Summit League, and join the Ohio Valley. Um, what happens after that or if anybody else leaves or if anybody goes to Missouri Valley right now, I don't know. I'm trying to kind of suss out what's, uh, what's fact from fiction at this point. But independent of what's happening at the FBS level – I think you're, there's still going to be a bunch of other moves happening at the FCS or maybe even the non-football world in the next month in that kind of that middle southern part of the country. Well, I mean, going back a couple of months, I mean, I think when we kind of had that whole realignment wave initially uh, kind of brought up with Texas and Oklahoma, we, we've both been kind of saying it. You know, it, really the, the interesting part about this this realignment uh, phase, if you will, that we're in was really, you know, beyond kind of the, the big programs. You know, the Pac-12, they're not expanding. The the Big Tens, you know, they're sitting things out. Obviously, with the ACC, there's only one big move for them to make. So it's all about, you know, those kind of middle tier FBS programs and, and where things kind of fall out in, in the group of five. And then and really the FCS, which is where I think the intrigue, both moving up to the FBS, like you were talking about, and within the FCS. And uh, you you mentioned Austin P uh, moving. I think that it, what a great example of timing. They, they need to send a check to Will, Will Healy for turning that program around. Because if you go back a couple of years, that, that was a football program that was down in the dump. They were not an attractive candidate f- to make this kind of move. And you know, no, you go back were, now. They were one of the worst teams in FCS. Like They're atrocious. And you're talking like a, a multi-year losing streak. And Will Haley got that, that program turned around. He's now at Charlotte uh, doing some, some great work there in terms of uh, elevating the, the stature of that program. I'm sure his name's going to be coming up, uh, which we can talk about uh, later this this uh, this month about job openings and all that. And so, uh, you know, that great uh, you know bit of timing uh, for, for that program to get turned around because, uh, you know, a lot of these leagues, they're, they're, not only do they need kind of warm bodies, but they need programs that you know, want to be invested in the right sports. And I think you're starting to see it be more of an more of, a, I guess, a driver now. I think when in talking with folks uh, around these conferences, around these athletic departments, you know, that, that institutional alignment. I think is coming up a little bit more than, than it once was. It was it used to be all about media dollars and cable households, certainly, uh, you know, among the power five. But I think, you know, going back below that now, it's, you know, how, how can we become a little bit more regional? How can we save on some travel costs? How can we make sure that these institutions have kind of a, the right fit 
And I think you're kind of starting to see some rejiggering of the, of the puzzle right now uh, based along those lines. I think that's unquestionably true. It makes things much more complicated than for the the conferences that were not able to be proactive because then you were in a position where now you do need bodies and trying to find bodies to maintain that level of institutional alignment gets very difficult. Uh, and I think, you know, we, we can kind of draw a through line here to the leagues that get picked apart a little bit. I imagine the Ohio Valley or the Southland or maybe the MEAC, they're going to backfill. They're going to try to find some other institutions. Maybe they're FBS, maybe they're FCS. I mean, maybe they're FCS, maybe they're Division Two. But are they going to? Is it going to be a bus league? Is it going to be uh, within the Southland? Are they all going to be Texas and Louisiana schools that fit the certain budget uh, level? Maybe not. And if you don't do that, you might be able to survive in the short term. But then it becomes very difficult to survive in the long term, which I think is a great through through way into what's happening at the FBS level. Um, we've already seen here that the Big 12 took three teams from the American Athletic. They took BYU to get uh, to get to to you know to restabilize there. Talk about great timing there as well. You know BYU was just a couple of years away from like a, a four win season and was really just kind of average for a lot of the independent era. Then they they had were excellent last year and they've been surprisingly very good this season too, despite losing a ton of of production. That's the perfect timing. To, to, to step in here. UCF and Cincinnati picked great times to be good. South Florida sure picked a lousy time to be terrible um, to, to limit those the, their opportunities there. A couple of days ago, uh, I believe this was out of the San Diego Union Tribune, reported that the American Athletic had engaged schools out West. And the conventional wisdom would have been, well, who are the best programs out West? That's Boise State. And from a marketability perspective, to a lesser extent, San Diego State. But the Union Tribune reported, hey, the, the schools that are most likely to actually make this jump right now to the American are Colorado State and Air Force. And I talked to two different industry people uh, this morning. Uh, and and, and I, I am we are talking here on Monday afternoon. So things may have, have shifted since then. But as of Monday afternoon, two different people who have been giving me very solid information have said, not only is that report true, it's close to a done deal. Like they they absolutely expect Colorado State and uh, an Air Force to end up making that jump, and also they would expect UAB to make that jump. Now that presumably the Americans going to go after four, and I don't know who that fourteenth team is yet. I, I have I have some pretty good educated guesses, um, but the, there's been a lot of confusion I think about what the rationale might be for an Air Force or a Colorado State to make that jump. And Brian, I don't know if you've heard differently, as I understand it. It isn't really about money. Um, both, I mean, uh, Commissioner Thompson from the Mountain West has you know, said this in public, and I, I checked the math, and I think he's right, that they're not going to really make a whole lot more in terms of tier rights, uh, tier one media rights from going to the Mountain West to the American, because the American's television contract is going to decrease, and your operating costs as a Mountain West institution are going to increase. There's a little bit of a bump, I think, that you would expect, but we're talking about going from like, you know, four and a half from four over like a five or like a six year deal. It's so it had to be something else. And Colorado State doesn't really recruit students or athletes that much from the east part of the eastern part of the country. So as I it was explained to me was this is uh, a, 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 a move, proactive move when you think that Boise State's going to not be in this league in four years. And he figured take the lifeboat where you can and figure out the rest later. Rather than if you stay here and Boise and San Diego State leave, that the remaining Mountain West is going to be a, a less attractive position. Does that line up with what you've been hearing and reading? 
Uh, it does. And, you know, granted, I like like I said earlier, you know, been a little bit busy, so I haven't been able to check in with, with everybody. But uh, that, that has kind of been the kind of the word out on the street, if you will. And uh, you're much more plugged in on, on those items. So I will defer to you for the for the latest. But it does sound like that's kind of the direction that we're going. And I, I think it's it's going to be interesting, too. I, I think you can kind of understand it, certainly from an Air Force, Air Force perspective, uh, you know, maybe a little bit closer re- realignment with Navy and, and having those ties. And so they've been used to that conference and, and you can kind of understand things from that standpoint. But, um, you know, you, you go back years, the state was a the state itself, the state of Colorado was tilted, you know, towards Texas and, and some of those other places uh, just when, when the Buffaloes, you know, were in the Big 12 and in the Big 8 before that. Um, so that they kind of looked east, you know, initially. And so you kind of understood, um, you know, I think that there are some some regional ties that, that still make sense, uh, even though we're talking about uh, different schools, different athletic departments. And um, you, know, you mentioned money not being a driver. Uh, I think that that's absolutely going to be the case because, um, you know, when those per team payouts uh, end up uh, you know, rejiggered, uh, when ESPN, you know, looks into the, the new AAC contract, AAC contract, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to be making uh, what they what they were. Uh, in, you know, with UCF and Cincinnati and all those. And uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting because this is really, I think, about positioning to who can be that next best league. I, I think the, the Big 12, based on those, the, the, the way they've poached uh, the, the four teams they already have, um, you know, you understand that they're, they're still going to be kind of that fifth team. Who can be that sixth team, though? Because that, that's going to mean a lot in a new playoff format which, uh, you know, let's face it, the, the amount of pay, uh, payouts that uh, that sixth league is going to get is going to be significant compared to those that miss out. And uh, when that, that could be you know, another million or $2 million per school uh, if your conference can get into the playoff. And, and I think there's the opportunity, even if you're ranked, ranked high enough, you could even host a playoff game uh, based on some of the formats. Now, I think that's, that's probably a little bit unlikely, but um, you can understand kind of the, the carrot out there for some of these leagues to uh, position themselves well in this kind of newfound playoff era. And uh, I think certainly from the AAC perspective and from the Mountain West perspective, um, that's what they're really trying to accomplish. Not only stay together, stay, uh, stay one as a league, but uh, kind of position yourself to where uh, even though you're, you're tr- truly backfilling a little bit, um, you want to make sure that uh, your, your league is best positioned to grab that sixth spot uh, in the playoff era because that's, that's going to mean tens of millions of dollars for your league. It, it is it is weird that this kind of what the Americans doing now, like if you look at it just from the vein of maximizing your potential chances for a new playoff con, uh, playoff access, assuming we actually do go to 12 and assuming there is some sort of legitimate pathway for a, a league like the American, then this makes sense. And it's not a bad league, um, you know, depending on who that 14th team is. It, it, it may not be a great one, but it's it, it it's 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 not bad. Right. It, it it will be competitive with with the Sun Belt certainly for for the, the the best remaining team. The the issue though is like you and I have talked about this. The, the all the prevailing trends right were about regionalism, were about shared institutional identity, and this would fly absolutely in the face of all those things. Now you have no geographic identity. If if nothing else, now we have a, a, a Western wing that is geographically isolated, and then you have Temple. Um, and to a lesser extent, Navy, which are now more isolated than they were before, especially if Memphis ends up leaving in the future. Um, are you a basketball league? Are you a football league? Are you a private school league? Are you a public school league? Are you an academic? Are you ECU? There's no through line between we care about football. And so I would imagine that's going to be a huge pain in the ass for Colorado State volleyball uh, or for some of these other things. But given the alternative, I understand why you might do it. And that opens up 
I think, a, a couple of very big questions, right? Why don't we start with the, with what happens here with the Mountain West? Because you're going to have to replace two, potentially more than two teams. The The word on the street is that individuals at, within Boise State are quietly confident that if and when the Big 12 expands again, they are the next team up. Uh, whether that is a correct assumption or not, uh, that is known but but to God and uh, Oresco. Uh, not Oresco, known but to God and Bowlesby. I'm sorry, my brain's also turned to tap. Well, you know, you, yeah, but no, like, no wonder you got confused because, you know, Mike Oresco, he just got a contract extension today, taking him uh, through 2025. So I can understand why Mike is, is on his mind. That's you know, that, been talking right. about the Mountain West. And I don't know if right. you, you saw it the other day, but uh, Craig Thompson's. Uh, comments directed towards Mike Resco right. uh, in, in the San Diego Union Tribune. That no, I not only got a a text uh, with a link to that article, but uh, I, I saw several after I tweeted it out. Several people actually ended up texting me and like I, I can't believe those words were actually printed because uh, that that was an eye opener to be sure. Yeah, well, commissioners don't generally take that explicit shot at each other. Although I have heard that exact sentiment expressed to me uh, from many other ads over the, the past couple of weeks. And like, and in case anyone from, you know, the American office is listening, I don't take any of that personal. I mean, like, I don't, I don't think anyone's a bad guy or lying here. You have to, you have to take, you have to toe the company line, but like there's, you know, we also have to deal deal in reality. So we'll, we'll focus here, I guess on, all right, Mountain West, you're going to have to add at least two potentially more teams. So, so one thing that they potentially could do, right. Is, is try to expand it to Texas. Uh, focusing on current FBS institutions in that state, whether that's looking into Conference USA, uh, potentially the the Sun Belt. The, a couple of these schools had been previously tied to um, the Mountain West as potential candidates in the past, uh, whether that's Rice or UTEP, who would love to be in this league, uh, UTSA, potentially North Texas. Those are all options. Do any of those necessarily make you a much better from a football perspective? Not in the short term. Maybe it's a bet that in the future that they could become better. That gives you some central time zone television inventory and a chance maybe to increase your, your recruiting exposure in an important state for some other schools. It's one possibility. Another possibility could be um, let's dig into the SES and let's try to go find some teams with dedicated fan bases, uh, whether that's North Dakota state, whether that's Montana or Montana state, uh, whether that's some other teams within the big sky, that can be tricky because many of the teams in the big sky, the ones that are good at football, have less than no money, and moving up to FBS becomes very expensive. But uh, if you are trying to double down on established fan bases, that could be one pathway you could go down. Door number three is, I think, kind of a continuation of something that Thompson had, had, had publicly talked about doing before, which is double down on basketball. Grab New Mexico State. Grab some schools that don't have FBS football. And uh, try to become a, a you know, battle the whack for becoming a, a, a dominant, a significant, a multi, a multi bid basketball league uh, in the West. Whether that's going after St. Mary's, whether that's going after Grand Canyon, whether that's taking a hail mary swing at Gonzaga now that the WCC is weaker. And and I, as of right this second, have not heard anything conclusive one way or another about what strategy they will take. I'm not sure if they've decided yet, but I, those appear to be the three kind of pathways you could go down, right? Yeah, and I think you know the basketball one is the the biggest one with the greatest unknown. I think you know it does make sense on on paper. You know, yeah, you're you're not uh, you know increasing your media rights by by a significant amount, but you can get those NCAA tournament payouts. And the thing about that though is, 
I, I, I think there's wide expectation that uh, the structure of those those payouts and, and how the NCAA doles out revenue from the NCAA tournament, uh, along with the women's basketball tournament, it, it is likely going to change in the somewhat yep. near future. So I think that is everybody understands maybe that's connected with the NCAA Constitutional Convention or something in somewhat of, of the near term. But I, I think there is a, some wide belief that uh, there will be changes to that process uh, you know, and how you earn units, how much the payout is. Uh, and whatnot. So does does that make it less likely that you can pursue that basketball strategy? Perhaps. I, I think it does add the the another element of risk, uh, I guess you could say. And let's face it, when you're talking about these college presidents, when you're talking about these commissioners, they, they typically like the less risky move. And so I, I think that might be something more in the back burner, maybe a, a yep. second order thing that happens uh, after you kind of make your initial push and in terms of shoring up that, that football program. Uh, you know, maybe it is dipping into the FCS ranks. I, I think you know North Dakota State would would make a, a lot of sense in in just from a a standpoint of you know yeah there there are very few programs simply west of you know really Texas that, that you can kind of go back and get. And I, I think from a, a structural standpoint, we've already seen uh, what, what Craig Bull's been able to do up there in Wyoming. It, it, you know, North Dakota State would would make a lot of sense to me. Uh, obviously, you reach down into Texas with those Conference USA programs. Uh, you know that that would tick a lot of boxes, but um, you know, the Mountain West, you know, really just because of geography and the fact that there are not that many programs uh, that you can really kind of go get in the Western half of the United States, um, you know, they, they are kind of facing the biggest threat, uh, you know, especially if Boise State uh, does end up leaving. So it, it's going to be fascinating to see how they navigate things. And uh, I mean, I, I think it'll be interesting, too, to see who, who gets creative in this entire process. You know, you mentioned kind of the basketball thing. I think there are, you know, creative avenues that uh, some of these leagues could possibly take, but uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, I think that the risk assessment. We college athletics is is not necessarily a game uh, or, or an industry, you know, kind of uh, excited about taking risks off the field, and and I think that might play into both the Mountain West uh, expansion plans and you know what the American is going to do down the road as well. The, the geographic aspect is tough to wrap your arms around. And I forget about this being a son of the Midwest where you look at a state boundary and you just automatically assume that, that one state equals four to five hours drive, right? Um, this has been you know, made very clear to me by a couple of, of folks working in this league. It's not a, not a West as structured as not a bus league right now. Um, I, I think Colorado State and Wyoming can bus to each other, but everybody else has to fly. Um, and if you're already having to fly, then... Um, having to fly a couple hours longer isn't necessarily a deal breaker. So maybe you can have a more expansive path um, than, than you might think. But if you're trying to keep it within that already you know constrained footprint, there's not a whole lot you can do. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I count, let's see, just just in the FCS, just because I have it pulled up and I, I was trying to look up uh, some school. There's only, I, I count 13 FCS football programs west of Texas. So I think, you know, you're, you're, you're hemmed in there. You're obviously hemmed in in terms of geography at the FBS level, just because BYU's off the board. They, they've gone to the Big 12. Um, you know, certainly uh, just the, there's no programs out there really to take. And, and I think that's uh, going to be interesting, too, because, uh, you know, when we talk about institutional fit, I, I do think those schools out on the West Coast, because they are used to traveling those long distances, um, because there's not kind of the, the shared geography that you might have, uh, say, in the Midwest and, 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 and other places, uh, you know, it, it, it does present a, a big, big challenge for uh, both the Mountain West and, and as we've seen you know, recently, the, the Pac-12. There's just no good options, you know, kind of in the Western part of the, the country. Yeah, I, I don't really know exactly what San Diego State's long-term plan here is. I, well, I've been hearing that the school feels pretty confident that they have a post-Mountain West option. 
I haven't really heard anything that ties them to the Big 12. And that's not to say that it can't happen. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not an all-seeing oracle, just that I haven't heard any juice about that whatsoever. And it's not like you can really go independent because you can't park your basketball in the West Coast Conference. Um, I mean, unless they decided to completely change their longstanding policy of only bringing in religious private schools. And then there's not really another good place to put basketball. Like, you probably could get away with being independent if you don't care about making the playoff, which is fine because they're not going to make the playoff anyway. Um, but I don't I don't really know what they're going to do other than I, they seem to know something here that I don't or someone's about to make a big mistake. It's probably the former, but you never know, right? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have heard, you know, Memphis's name, you know, come up a, a lot more than San Diego State's in terms Same. of, you know, I think, you know, Boise State, yeah, that, that's probably number one. But in terms of that, who is that that second school that might end up going to the Big 12 uh, as kind of a move with Boise State? Uh, I definitely hear Memphis a lot more than I hear San Diego State. And uh, again, I think geography is, is a factor. I mean, there's just uh, not a whole lot of programs around San Diego State that make a lot of sense. And, um, you know, I think it's also interesting, too. I, I think that school is kind of right sizing their athletic department too obviously they've invested heavily in, in basketball and and that is a priority down there um you know but with the new football stadium and, and what they've been trying to do with those development options down there yes they're, they're still competing at, at a high level but uh you know they're, they're not going to you know what the the ghost that was formerly known as qualcomm and and having to tarp off half the stadium you know they they've got a, a perfect size stadium for, for what they, that program wants to be and for for that area and as much as they do have their sites kind of set higher you know i think they are also, are also quite realistic in terms of what the options are uh, out there if the Big 12 invite doesn't come along. Speaking of other of invites from other leagues, let's. I want to shift a little bit here to the um, the southern part of the country. I want to. We'll shift here to the Sun Belt because th- this is a uh, fascinating change of events. I think with this league and and its perception. So as I've asked around here, the kind of there's like quiet confidence, I am told, that they're going to be able to keep their league together. Um, I, 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 I've been told that some of those schools were had some the American had some interest in some of these institutions. Um, and despite that paying more money in media rights, I was told, while nothing is certain, that right now the feeling was we're good. even you know we, we, that we would rather be in this league where we have more clearly defined rivalries. Or make it easier for us to sell tickets and easier for us to attract sponsorship and have a perhaps more influence within our conference office than to go to a league where we'll make a million and a half, two million dollars more with more travel, less internal influence, and less defined rivalry. And on the in fact, the feeling here is not just we think we can keep our band together, but we think we can add some teams. And the number one team that I have heard that they're interested in that's popped up in conversation here is Southern Miss um, within Conference USA. I would imagine if they did, if this league decided they wanted to take a shot and add uh, other teams from Conference USA, I think that that would be something that would be possible. Southern Miss is the only one that I've heard like specifically come up. If this was something that Marshall wanted to do, I'm, I'm sure that there would be interest within the Sun Belt. But that you know that just goes to show how much the tide is turning because it wasn't that long ago when Conference USA was unquestionably the more prestigious league. It was the league that had better television. It was the league that some belt teams tried to get into, and that's really not the case anymore on a number of different levels. 
Yeah, I think you could. It, it has been fascinating to kind of see that the decline of, of Conference USA over the past really decade plus. I mean, there was a time when, you know, when we talk about the quote unquote group of five, I mean, that was definitely one of the, the leagues you mentioned, you know, right off the bat was just so many fun programs. And, um, you know, I think the, you know, the, the WAC has certainly, you know, they, they fall, fell off, um, you know, and, and, and dropped down to the FCS ranks. Uh, and, and then, you know, Conference USA, they've kind of been on. Uh, almost a similar trajectory, uh, just with the decline in the, the programs, decline in the league. Um, and, and I definitely do get the sense that uh, there's a lot of programs there that uh, would love some sort of lifeline to another league. And and if Southern Miss um, is one of those those programs, I think it makes a lot of sense from the Sun Belt perspective. Obviously, talk about the, the history that uh, you know the Golden Eagles have um, at playing football. Um, you know, this is a, a very proud program. I, I know things have, have been a bit dire lately, certainly uh, down there in Hattiesburg. But uh, goodness, that that is a program that could bring a lot of you know rich history uh, to a league like the Sun Belt. And and I think um, you know, understandably so, they, they have a, a solid donor base uh, for a program that size. Uh, certainly, a, a lot of investment that that can be made still to turn that program around to where uh, they could compete. Uh, and and you know. Certainly from a travel perspective, it makes a lot of sense uh, when, when you got Louisiana Monroe out there, when you have uh, South Alabama and Troy, and, and it just kind of makes a, a little bit more sense uh, to pluck a program like that, dab smack in the, in the middle of the league and, and, and really can bring, you know, some, some gravitas in terms of the, the history and, and prestige uh, that they once have. I, I know it's been, been tough lately, but uh, they can always turn that around and, and get back to being a, a program that can contend because um, we've already seen it in the Sun Belt. I think that's what kind of been the big success story uh, with the Sun Belt. Uh, obviously, a lot of FCS programs moving up and, and having success like Coastal Carolina, like App State, uh, kind of being the two two prominent ones, but uh, we, we've seen it across the across the league. Really, uh, this has been a, a a success story about putting the right resources, putting the right focus on on football, and and going from there. And uh, I think uh, Southern Miss would, would typically align with what Sunbelt wants to do. It you, I think you are definitely right to say that part of this is a product of really deciding we want to focus on football. There are schools in the Sun Belt that do not currently sponsor football. I do not expect those schools to be in the Sun Belt forever. Um, you know that, that that is under under this current conference leadership. That is uh, definitely a message that has been conveyed to member schools. We are a football league. Uh, we want to spend money to develop football. We want to promote football. We think that that is our pathway to institutional success and power. Um, not that we don't care about the other sports, but it, that, that, that's not your focus. You're not going to be as good of a fit here. Let's talk about the about Conference USA here, because this, I think, is the epicenter for where FBS realignment craziness could really happen. Because you have a league where basically everybody in this league would prefer to not be in this league. And if if you need a new team, this is kind of where you want to go. If you are the Sun Belt and you're looking at poaching somebody maybe on the Eastern Front, you could probably grab them. If you are the American Athletic and you need to backfill one, two, three spots, um, this is a place where you can go that's already kind of in, in your in your footprint. Like I mentioned before, the program that I've heard the, in every single conversation I've had about this has been UAB. And that's like, listen, we got a new stadium. We have uh, we, we, we look good on the U.S. news report because we have all this fancy academic uh, medical medical research that comes with this campus. We're an important city for recruiting um, that the, the, the campus is growing like and, and institutionally UAB has more in common with many AAC institutions. Right. From there, I don't really know if there's an obvious number two. I have had ADs and consultants say, well, might be Charlotte. 
uh, which has a really important market and uh, rich alumni that all are nearby at a nice stadium. They have not had success and they are still trying to train a fan base to care about Charlotte football. It's better now than it was like three or four years ago, but that is a, uh, it's kind of a, a bet on an expansion team. It could be Marshall, which is the opposite. Very, de- very developed fan base. Um, lousy market. Uh, may- maybe it's not entirely clear what kind of upside you might have, but that's probably the best program on the board in terms of not just football success, but but basketball success, reigning national champion in men's soccer, strong program in, in a couple of other areas. I've seen other reporters you know, mention FAU, uh, mention FIU, mention UTSA. I don't believe those are top tier realignment candidates for the American athletic right now. That could change if some people turn them down. Um, and then you have the Mountain West that might decide to take a chunk out of these. And you have Old Dominion, which is like telegraphed. We don't want to be in this league anymore. Um, I'm not sure what happens, but it's hard for me to look at this and think of anything good unless you just unless you want to say that this league ending with seven teams in one area is a good thing. And that might be like a good thing for an identity, but it's hard to see how they retain membership. Yeah, you, know, it, it, you mentioned retaining membership. It, it's so funny because when when you do go to these schools and you kind of go through the, the general tour and you kind of see their trophy case, it, it's always funny to kind of go around the country and, and see all the schools that do have those conference USA like volleyball trophies or or men's basketball trophies. And uh, you know, and, and now they're they're three leagues later. You know, I mean, it really is kind of the the island of misfit toys almost. I mean, it was yeah. a, a conference formed. You know, I think the the Metro Conference is, is really kind of the remnants and, and how it formed. Uh, and and you add in the kind of Southwest Conference leftovers. Um, um, and, and it's been through, what, three, four, four rounds of, of realignment already. And uh, it is still ticking. But uh, as you mentioned, I think a lot of schools would love to be elsewhere. You mentioned Marshall, too. I, I think for that program in particular, it's interesting because that's obviously we, we see it uh, with this past uh, coaching search. So they just have a, a lot of West Virginia power brokers are, are very much behind Marshall and, and the success of that program. Uh, so I, I think that is maybe something to keep in mind. We've seen uh, state governments meddle a little bit in conference realignment in the past. And even at these kind of group of five levels, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that ends up happening with Marshall. Uh, UAB, though, clearly the, the flagship, uh, I think not only in terms of uh, certainly the football success that they've had under Bill Clark and, and the way he's resurrected that program. I mean, one of the great all-time stories in college football, how they literally came back from nothing and uh, have had this this run in Conference USA. But uh, I think their endowment is like twice what all the other Conference USA schools are. Uh, you mentioned just being in Birmingham, uh, a, a football mad region, certainly, but a, a city that has shown that it will support this program. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, you go back uh, a long ways uh, to Jimbo Fisher nearly getting hired there. Uh, you know, a lot of reasons that was axed was because people didn't want to see uh, quite the success uh, in, in having that, that regional power. I think that that stance has changed quite a bit in, in the state of Alabama and the resources, the, the focus uh, on that school, um, you know, has, has been led to one of these great success stories these last couple of years. And I think that will end up you know, with them getting an invite to a, to a quote unquote bigger league. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Conference USA responds because um, it's not like they can can offer a whole lot. I think there is a, a great deal of frustration with the conference office and, and the way things have, have transfolded over the last couple of years with their media rights deals. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, and I think yes. that has driven a lot of these these programs to uh, certainly look elsewhere and, and hope for that lifeline to happen. I, I think there are definitely a lot of active uh, ADs and presidents out there that have been making calls uh, out of Conference USA programs, 
And, um, you know, it's going to be fascinating because uh, I'm guessing this league is, is definitely still going to exist in, in five or six years time, but uh, it's makeup, it's, it's identity. I think it's going to change again. And it might change again after that, even. I would not be surprised if when the dust settles in six months, that whatever's left of conference USA changes its name and changes its branding and moves its, its office somewhere else and just becomes a different thing. Um, and, and whether they want to trace back their history to, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, but like that, that would not surprise me. I, if they're going to try to add other teams, I think it almost has to come from the FCS ranks. And I don't have a good sense right this very second about who would take them up on that. Um, the last thing I want to mention here at the, in case anyone's curious, I want to quickly talk about independence. Um, I have heard no juice whatsoever about anybody being interested in either UMass or UConn uh, from a football perspective. Um, there have been plans in the past about pushing for some sort of new Northeast focused G5 kind of league. Um, you know, maybe if you get Temple at the right moment, if all of the American athletic schools are in the deep South, uh, they might be interested in that kind of thing. I don't know if you can find six teams for it. Um, I haven't heard anything imminent on that front. The, the interesting school to watch for, I think, here will be Liberty. Because Liberty offers some geography that's of interest here to both the American and potentially Conference USA, depending on what that league looks like. Um, term football, basketball, baseball success, all very high level. Uh, the financial commitment would be stronger than almost anybody in any of those leagues. They're, they're yep. paying. Yep. Hugh Freeze's salary is, if not at the number one among G5s, it's very close. Um, their facilities are nicer than, in some sports, nicer than some power conference schools. And they have a ton of money. So on one hand, you would think that all sounds very attractive. Enormous fan base, enormous alumni network. Um, there's a reason they haven't been added to a league. Um, already, right? A big part of that was they tried to buy their way into Conference USA and rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, not not just for the political stuff, but also if the school's coming in here offering to throw down a $10 million entry fee, how are we supposed to compete with them if they have that kind of liquidity? I don't think we want them. We won't have a peer. And that's still going to be a factor. The other biggest thing, of course, was Jerry Falwell is an absolute embarrassment in higher education and even conservative leaning like administrators didn't want anything to do with him. Um, and your, your faculty doesn't want to does not want to go and say, yes, we are a peer school to liberty. Um, and it's I, I, this gets painted sometimes on social media as like an anti-religious thing or like a political thing. I, in this in this exact case, it extends beyond that. This is your president was an embarrassment. He's not there anymore, but it's not entirely clear what direction Liberty is going to go. Are they going to try and, and bring in somebody who's like Jerry without the baggage, somebody that's more like a traditional university leader? Those are the kind of questions that that have to be answered here to figure out where, where they're going to go. They're, they are a wild card that could drive a lot of value to a conference, and I think it's more likely somebody takes them now than they were two years ago. But a lot of the question marks haven't really been resolved. I realized that we just spent a good 40 plus minutes riffing and breaking down realignment on a number of different conferences here on a Monday afternoon. And by the chance, Tom, all of you guys listen to this on Wednesday, it might all be out of date. Um, if there's something a little bit more timely, as soon as I hear information that I feel really strongly, that I feel good about, I'm going to share it on the newsletter, which you can, of course, find at extrapointsmb.com. Publishes four days a week. Um, 
this is going to be a major story that we continue to follow here. I, I don't expect gigantic changes with the rest of the, the largest power leagues, but what happens here over these next couple of weeks isn't just about future football and basketball schedules. It's going to uh, change a lot of conferences we didn't even have a chance to talk about that are in the kind of that one AAA space. And it, it's going to impact how teams and athletic departments make money and how they sell themselves and what they look like. And it's probably not going to be the last time we, we do this entire rigmarole yet either. Um, you can be sure to follow the, follow the newsletter again at extrapointsmb.com. We have some other newsletters coming out this week here about name, image, and likeness, about um, building a culture when you have a team full of international athletes, some open records requests, and some more information. Uh, you can find Brian at BrianDFisher on Twitter.com. You can find me at MattBrownEP. Uh, and you can shoot me an email if you'd like at Matt at ExtrapointsMB.com. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. This was fun. There's a lot going on. We'll catch up with you again with some cool guests next week.